today we are interviewing Naima Brown, who has a four and a half year old son. His name is Trevin Johnson. Welcome, Naima. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Siobhan and I met Naima at the Autism Walk back in October, November. I can't remember which month it was. And in speaking to her, she stated that her son, Trevin, was on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And she had just found out maybe a year ago. In your report that you sent to us, you stated that your son had been diagnosed with ADHD. However, you knew that there was more. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. So um, maybe around like two and a half years old, um, I took him to go see a developmental pediatrician. We got referred from his pediatrician because he was acting up in daycare, getting kicked out. And so I was like, okay, there's something else going on. So went and got the referral to the developmental pediatrician. And um, she, she said he had ADHD. So I said, okay. Um, so then after that, he still was getting kicked out of school. Of course, they talked about meds and stuff. And me and his father um, didn't want to start him on any kind of meds yet. So we did the route of just keeping him in, in daycare. But I started like noticing certain things like the screaming outbursts, the head banging was a major concern for me. Um, because I'm looking at it like, okay, he's two and a half now, three, four. Okay. And they would say like certain times, like, okay, that stuff should start stopping, but it wasn't stopping. It kept continuing. So then I would notice he would line up his cars in a line. Um, I remember when he was like two years old or maybe even 18 months old, he was like spinning around in circles. I'm thinking it's just, oh, he's just playing. But when I look back on it, that's one of the signs. But definitely the lining up cars, I noticed. And then I had him at a Montessori daycare. He only spent maybe about a month at that daycare because he ended up holding a teacher's hand and she had stuck her hand head out the door. And then he went to close the door and she ended up hitting hurting her head. So he wasn't able to attend there anymore unless he had like an aide with him. They're the ones that actually provided me information about autism spectrum and a whole lot of resources and even the Fort Mill school district. Um, as far as getting him in, in that program and seeing maybe about testing. So went that route. Um, in between that time, I also reached back out to the developmental pediatrician and said, hey, I'm getting feedback from the school about maybe getting him tested for autism. So we did the testing. It showed he was on the spectrum. Um, in the meantime, I still was working with the Fort Mill School District to get him there. They qualified him in the program. So he does really well with the IEP at the Fort Mill School District. But they, I mean, it's, it's funny because a lot of people still, they don't really see that he is on the spectrum. And I guess I see it more because I'm his mom and I pay attention a lot more. Right. I want to say in meeting Trevin, because he's high functioning, he's, mm-hmm. and he has language, he can, he can communicate. And that's why sometimes... Folks don't notice the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. But the behaviors that you you talked about in the beginning, like the head banging, that's classic. Lining yeah. up cars, classic, yeah. right? Yeah. 
classic yeah. symptoms of autism, although others may do it, but those are classic symptoms of autism. And, and, and it's because his inability to express himself, although he has language, it's still hard to express how I'm feeling. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I know you said early on before the diagnosis and all of that, you said that he, he was acting up in school. What did acting up look like? So acting up looked like even even picking up or taking his shoes off and throwing his shoes across the room and the teacher trying to get him to put his shoes back on and he's just yelling, screaming, hitting his head and they're unable to be able to handle him or have the staff to have somebody there with him to calm him down. This started, I want to say back in mm, maybe about 2018, 19-ish, he was at a church daycare. And I got a lot of feedback as far as him doing that. Um, They would even take him to the office and call me and say, hey, I need you to come pick him up. It almost just became a pattern. So I took him, had him at that daycare, took him out of that daycare, put him in another daycare. It was like the same thing over and over and over again, which I could write a book about. So I feel like the daycare system is broken in in the sense that it does not provide training for their staff. I know they say they go to training, but I don't know what kind of training they receive because it's not geared to special needs children. And Mm -hmm. you have to, if you're going to accommodate all kids, you have to have training for everything because you don't know what type of kid you're going to come in in contact with. Absolutely. And I feel like they try and put kids into a box. My son, he don't fit into a box. All right. (laughs) So So how was, what was that like for you as a parent and, and dad? Like what, very was stressful. that part of the experience it's very stressful um it's caused me to actually have to like re reevaluate my career because i work in healthcare. i work three 12-hour shifts so even you know i mean there was time when i took a fma fmla leave because we didn't have a, we didn't have daycare for like two weeks mm-hmm. i have a question for you what was it like once you received the diagnosis of autism? I know you explained that you noticed some sensory issues mm-hmm. when you took him to get a hearing test. What were some of those sensory issues that you noticed? And what were, how did you feel once you got the diagnosis of, diagnosis of autism? So uh, some of the sensory issues that I noticed were when the toilet would flush, I would see him hold his ears like he would say it's too loud. If water was running, we were running bath water for him. He would say it was too loud. Um, so that, those were definitely once I got the hearing test and that came back normal and they just said, okay, this is sensory. You know, I, I knew it needed to go a, a step further. And once I got the diagnosis, I actually felt a, a weight lifted off of me because at one point I was like, I don't know what's going on with my son. Okay. Um, I know there's something there, but I don't know what's there. But once I got that diagnosis, I felt a relief, but I still feel like I need that support. Like I'm still looking and seeking that support group. Absolutely. So once he was diagnosed, I know you said first he was diagnosed with ADHD. Were there any services that were put in place to assist with that? The only thing that they referred me to was an occupational therapist. So he was working with the occupational therapist uh, for a good, maybe like six, seven months. Um, and she would help him with like his writing, holding a pencil, cutting, um, stuff like that. Um, but once we got that diagnosis, they referred us for ABA therapy. 
And so the ABA therapist actually works with him currently in the daycare setting with him. Okay. And did you find improvements from the OT? I did find some improvements with the OT um, until I think she started expanding and then she wasn't with him and she had another therapist come in with him. And then I kind of just saw, I don't know, I just, it, I, I, I like the owner working with him than her having somebody else work with him because I felt like he needed that consistency. Gotcha. During some of our interviews with other parents, as well as myself, we believe that the MMR shot, the measles, mumps, and rubella shot, played some kind of role in the diagnosis of autism. What's your take on that? I agree. Um, yeah, I do agree. If I would have known what I know now, he wouldn't have got any vaccines. Just because now my viewpoint, even though I'm in healthcare, is you know, children come into this world pure. So they honestly, to me, they don't really even need any vaccines and shots and stuff like that. Um, but I didn't know that <clears throat> when I was pregnant and when I had my son, after his six month shots, which I think included the MMR, that's when I started noticing a difference as far as like him not sleeping through the night, he would cry out and it was hard for me to even console him. I mean, I even have some video uh, that i had taken of him when he was like just one and he would just start just crying and it was just like I, it was almost like I didn't know what was going on with him mm-hmm. and it was almost like he was hurting or something was like bothering him I didn't really know what was going on but those were certain signs that I started seeing like one two years old that I knew was not the norm for mm-hmm. yeah once he was diagnosed how did your family respond so my mom she's been my like my biggest support system his dad he 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 didn't even take the ADHD diagnosis uh that well but once I told him I said well he has ADHD and he also has autism and he just said well my son's not autistic so um he was like I know what autism looks like Mm -hmm. so I don't know if now he's on board um because I'm really the one that's been doing all the therapy, doing, you know, taking him to all his appointments. And so I'm not sure. I mean, he, he gets his son from time to time. Like he picks him up from school and spends some time with him, but I don't think he still grasps the fact that he is on the spectrum because he has me and him share different um, discipline techniques. So he still sometimes has some of that old school type of discipline where I feel like if you understood autism, you would you wouldn't do some of those, um, those techniques. Right. Because sometimes because, because of his misunderstanding or not understanding what autism is, Mm -hmm. he uses techniques that maybe our parents used on us. Right. Not not knowing Mm -hmm. that Trevin does not understand and Mm -hmm. it's, and it it could do more harm than good Mm -hmm. because it's making Trevin frustrated. Yes. And scaring him. Yes. We're going to take a brief pause for the cause and we will be right back with Autism in Color with Lebecky, Siobhan, and Naima. Hi, this is Lebecky of Autism in Color. If you are listening to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, or Google, we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at autism in color info at gmail.com that's autism in color info at gmail.com 
We want to hear your feedback, your thoughts on our shows. Uh If you would like to be on our show, to do a commercial on our show, drop us a line at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. That's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you because we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. Welcome back to Autism in Color with LaBecky, Siobhan, and we have our guest, Naima. Welcome back, Naima. Thank you. Naima, you spoke about Trevor and the different daycares that you've had to put him in due to the fact that he was, he was being kicked out of daycare centers because you felt like they didn't have enough experienced people working for them who were experienced in autism. And I want to know, how is he doing in the current daycare that he's in? Also, is he involved in any pre-K in the state and city in which you live? So the current daycare he's at um, is Everbrook Academy. And one of the things that this daycare does that the previous ones that he was at doesn't do is they don't take naps so that was a a challenge at the previous ones too where they wanted him to nap he didn't want to nap so he doesn't nap at this daycare I don't know if that's a good thing or bad because he starts his day off really early um, because he does attend the pre-k in the city that I live in he goes to pre-k at the school district for a couple hours and then he works with like three teachers smaller classroom setting, I think a total of eight students. And he thrives there. Like I never hear really any bad feedback or anything like that, which they call it crises moments. But I never hear anything like that. Like he actually does well in that setting. Usually the school bus will take him from there and take him over to the daycare setting. That's when I think the environment is just overwhelming for him because there's more than eight students in the classroom. Like I want to say this school has about 14 kids in there. Um, The other day I went to go pick him up and they were doing work in their workbooks and he was outside the classroom with his therapist working in his workbook. And I said, okay. And I asked him, I said, why are you out here versus in the classroom? And so the therapist said, because it was just a little bit too noisy in the classroom center, which I kind of figured, but I just wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. So he was out there, which was fine. I mean, um, I'd rather him be outside the classroom than in the classroom. And then he can't deal with it. So Mm -hmm. at least he's getting his work done. So I think it's overstimulating. And that's some of the feedback that I received from some of the other daycares is that he probably needs more of a smaller classroom setting because when he's, I know even one of them that said that they had 20 students in the classroom and he even had a therapist with him too. And it just was, it was just too much. So I think it seems like it's working so far. Um, The only thing that's not working is the food. They serve some kind of very interesting meals. He does not eat them. He'll eat the fruit and drink his milk. But other than that, like they had shepherd's pie one day and some chili mac. He's not going to eat that. I mean, to me, that's not even kid food, but I can understand you want to be healthy. You got to follow state regulations and, you know, serve certain foods in the food group, but make it realistic for all kids to be able to eat their food. I mean, I don't understand if a child goes hungry, how do how you expect them to have a good day anyway? Because I know as an adult, if I go hungry, I'm not going to have a good day myself. That part. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the last daycare, in the, in, in the previous daycares that he was in, 
what were some of the behaviors that he exhibited? Because we know that sensory can cause our kids to have all types of behaviors. So what were some of his? Head banging, getting up and running into the wall. I noticed one lady that worked at that previous school said she had a couple, a whole bunch of bruises on her leg. She put herself between him and the door so he wouldn't keep hitting the door. And so definitely a lot of like running into the door because um, just the environment was over it was too stimulating for him or it was something that they wanted him to do that he didn't want to do right then and there like maybe it was time to put up your nap mat and and clean up so okay it's it's nap time is over so I want you to get your mat and put it away well he might not want to put his mat away but they kept egging him and egging him and that would cause you know for him to act out Mm -hmm. instead of him them giving him a break was to me, if somebody was trained, they would know, okay, let me just back off a little bit and give him his space and his time and then exactly. maybe reevaluate it. They weren't doing that. So it was time for him to go. Right. And if this was happening on a daily basis, so now you know that you have to introduce this to him and you have to say at this time, make him aware of it, maybe write it out on his desk, put a little sticky note or um, make some laminate cards and introduce him to the fact that at 1210, we're going to be putting our mats up and then you make him aware as time gets closer, you make him aware of the fact so that you don't have the behavior because we always ask, well, what was the antecedent, right? So the antecedent is what happened before the behavior? And, and the question I have is, you know, does he have a problem with transition in general or was it just that particular thing? Yeah, he does. He has a problem with transitioning. And, you know, because if you're on a spectrum, you know, organization and structure is what you live by. So if you change that up, it becomes an issue for me who's on the spectrum because now I don't understand why. And then no one is then no one is explaining it to me. No one's letting me know. No one is giving me a choice or giving me a chance to understand. What are some of his, um, I guess, uh, special things what things does he enjoy doing um he loves his ipad (laughs) but i mean he finds things on there that i didn't even find like he found some free games i'm happy they're free um (laughs) he likes to play with but i have him in basketball now Uh, we started basketball this season Mm -hmm. um he was doing the y and then i said well sure he he loved up he's still doing it um i said that was too short of us of us because it was only six weeks. So I said, well, let me sign him up for another basketball session. So we're still doing basketball. He loves it. Um, doesn't even want to leave when it's over half the time. Um, I kind of have to kind of coach him and tell him and give him a time. Like, okay, when you hear this noise, it's time to go. Because if, if I don't, it's, it's, it's going to be a disaster. He's done T-ball. He likes T-ball. Uh, and then he's also done some BMX racing as well. So. He was already riding a bike at three or four. Good for you. Good for you. How does he get along with his peers? He gets along good with his peers. Um, I just think that when it's too many peers around, then that's when it's, it's just too much for him. But usually, like him and Cairo, they get along really well. Um, okay. Ashley's son. So, but yeah, he, he loves meeting new people and friends. He's the only child. So he likes, I would say hanging out with the older crowd than the, than more peers, his, his age group. 
most people on the spectrum do. Okay. And they have a better understanding of us. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but I know that that day that I met him, that we met him, that he he and I were chatting it up a little bit. Just, I remember they had, did they have balloons? They had something. The spinners. And, yeah, those they had those spinners. Spinners, and he, yeah. He and I were, were um, playing together with that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to admit, when I met you and Ashley at the same time, I had no idea that your son was on the spectrum. None. Be- why? Because he was talking to me. So I get the misunderstanding that some people have, and I have experience in autism, but he did not exhibit any behaviors that were, were indication in the moment that I met him. Mm-hmm. And so I remember Siobhan saying to me, you know, you have to call Naima. And I was like, so like, who's Naima? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, it's, it's the young lady that was there with Ashley. I was like, well, her son didn't have autism. I was a little confused. And then yeah. speaking with Ashley, she said the same thing. And I'm like, there is something that I missed. Yeah, because I kept saying, I said it like at least four or five times mm-hmm. before she and finally my son understood. Was diagnosed before her son. Say it again. My son was diagnosed before her son. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she finally understood. It escaped <laughs> me. Well, I'm happy to be here. I thank y'all for having me on the show. Oh, absolutely. But it escaped me. But I realized at that moment he was persistent. And he did have a little anxiety and I was paying more attention to Ashley's son because I didn't know. But now looking back, I realized that there was something, but he was friendly. Very friendly. And he kept saying, I want that. I want that. Let me have it. Let me have it. So I thought he was just being a kid. Cause you know, if you're being attentive to one kid and, and, and you're not to the other, then he was like, Hey, what about me? Mm-hmm. And so I that's what that I got. Yeah. 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 So who is in your, um, who's in your tribe? Who are the people who support you? I know you said mom. I know Ashley is supportive. Yeah. You all are supportive of one another. Who, who else is in your tribe? Um, my sister-in-law, uh, my brother, those are the main ones that are really very supportive. And I would have to say too, his ABA therapist, uh, I guess she's the, she's not the therapist, but she's the analyst because she gives me feedback and stuff. But I would say she's also supportive too in, in my tribe. Does Trevin have any special talents? I would say his special talents are, he has a great memory. You can show him something or even if we're going somewhere, he's like, mommy, we're not going home. Like we, he knows, I mean, we don't even have to really pass by the house, but he just knows the direction. Like where are we going? Um, very smart as far as like memorizing stuff. He could name the planets. Um, stuff that I don't even be talking to him about. He finds on his iPad and he is he's very like a sponge. He just absorbs everything. Yep. Good for him. That is the ability that our kids on the spectrum have. That memory, that remembering um, direction, like if you if they're used to going one way to somewhere and, and, and then you veer off, they're like, hey, where are you going? This is not the way. Or you pass the exit. Well, why didn't you tell me that before I passed the exit? 
right? Yep. You saw me approaching it. You knew I was going to pass it and you yep. sat there. And then you take your earphone, push it back and say, hey, you just passed the exit. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> right? Another, another thing he does too is uh, like my mom said, I did this when I was young. She calls it signifying. So, you know, I could be having a conversation with y'all or with Ashley and he could be in my conversation. No, mm. no, and I'm not even talking to him. So, yeah, very okay. supposed to be playing. He like he, he he looked like he's playing, but his ears are open, knowing what is being discussed. Listening to your entire conversation—that mm-hmm. is what they do, and then they repeat it back. And if you telling it to someone else and you forget a part of the story, they will add that part of the story <laughs> in for you, right. even though you were trying not to add that part potentially. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. true. It's like mind your business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. No one said your name. <laughs> That's right. Has he expressed any interest in like what he wants to do when he grows up, or we're not there yet? We're not there yet. I, it's funny because when he was younger, like my theme for his bedroom was like airplanes, and I always envisioned him to be a pilot. <laughs> okay. He might be. He might be. Mm-hmm. They got a shortage of pilots right now. They're training people to become pilots for that six-figure salary. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like there's a lack of black and brown in that industry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to take a brief pause for the cause, and we will be right back with Autism in Color with Lebecky, Siobhan, and Naima. Hello, world. This is your girl, Siobhan, from Autism in Color, streaming on Google, Spotify, Apple, and iHeart Podcasts. If you have a story you'd like to tell about autism spectrum disorder and you'd like to join us for one of our autism talks, drop us a line at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Again, that's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call at 704-835-3605. We're waiting to hear from you because here at Autism in Color, we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. Welcome back to Autism in Color with Lebecky, Siobhan, and Naima. Welcome back, ladies. Hey. Hey. (laughs) So Naima, I know you spoke about your mom early on, but in speaking with you over the phone, you, you spoke to me about how your mother plays a big part in helping you with Trevin. Can you please tell our listening audience the role that your mom plays in his uh, life and in yours? Yeah, so my mom, um, she moved down here a couple of years ago from Virginia. And she has just been my biggest support system ever um like even now because he's going to that daycare in the morning usually the bus picks him up at 6 30 in the morning I'm not here in the morning because I have to need to work at seven so she will leave her house and spend the night a couple of days out of the week just to help me get him on the bus so I can get to work on time and then in the evenings Um, either his dad will pick him up and my mom will get off work and she'll be here at my house so she can, you know, have dinner ready for him and get him tucked into bed because I just worked those long hours. So just 
you know, her stepping up when she doesn't really even have to and, and helping us both out. I, I mean, I really appreciate my mom for that. Um, currently, he's actually at my mom's house, spending some time with her. It's, it's really great that your mother has an understanding of who he is and accepts him for who he is, because that means a lot, because sometimes in families, families just don't get it. They'll say, well, there's nothing wrong with him or what's wrong with him. You need to do this and you need to do that. But your mother has an understanding and that is priceless. Yes, it really is. It really is because it, it, it shapes the way that he sees himself in the world. And it's so important for him to know that someone, you know, his crew and his tribe is around him to love and protect him. And he, he doesn't, he might not understand that yet, but, you know, as he gets out into the world and experiences more people and that, um, those, these connections that he has now will be all the more important for him. Mm-hmm. So good for you and mom. <laughs> yes. And it also helps you with your wellness. Yes. Know that you can get that break, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me, what are some goals you have for Trevor as well as yourself? So I have a whole lot of goals. Like I don't want him to think that he's any different than anybody else. Um, want him to be and do all that he can. One, one thing I tell him, and I heard it from another lady, I think she might even wrote a book about it. She told her son. And I always tell Trevin, just this little mantra. And he, he remembers it. Sometimes I don't even think that he even knows it, but he'll say it <laughs> uh, out the blue sometimes. And I told him that he's smart, he's blessed, and he can do anything. And I just want him to always know that. He can. Um, but I mean, basically, I just want him to just be a happy go lucky little child and go ahead. <laughs> no, you could have finished. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to say something. <laughs> I just want to say, you know, our kids on the spectrum, they feed off of us. They feel what we feel. They know if something is amiss. They know if we are just not right right Mm -hmm. if something is happening in the environment and they can read our facial expressions they like to say that kids on the spectrum can't read facial expressions well they read their loved ones facial expressions so just know he reads your facial expressions he knows he knows he knows and he's feeding off of you so if you're having a bad day it could cause him to have a bad day if you're upset it could cause him to be upset but if you're happy he's going to be happy too Huh? I was going to say, I'm sorry. Um, They also, they know the energy. Kids know the energy, you know, um, that's that sixth sense, right? Yeah. And so they're, they're very aware. You walk into a room, if you know, if something's funky, right? (laughs) It's like, uh, what's going on here? So just like everybody else can do it, they can, they can do it too. He's in tune to you. Know that. Know that. So if he's to come home and he'll say, mine, you know, well, this is what happened at school today. And he didn't like it. And um, he's watching you to see how you're going to respond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you'll say, oh, I'll take care of that. Right. And he knows, oh, mom's going to take care of that. Okay. 
So just be careful how you respond. But you take care of it. But be careful how you respond to him because he's watching. Right. He's okay. reading you, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. What are your goals for him? I know he's so young. He's about to be five. What are your goals for him? And he'll be starting school soon. Full day. Yeah, um, I want him to be prepared for kindergarten. Um, and you know, do more, do, you know, be active, be an active child. I don't, I don't, I just don't want him like a house body child. I don't want him always on his iPad. I know he loves his iPad, but I just want him to be outside more, um, enjoying mm-hmm. nature. Um, he does like the outside too, because his dad's side of the family's from West Virginia. So he knows about being outside. How is he <laughs> academically? Can he write his name? Can he count? Can he read? Mm-hmm. Can he yeah, he can write his name. He even spells out his name. And like the other day he said, you know, spelled out his name and he said, that's Trevin Johnson, my name. So yeah, he knows how to write. He knows how to count his numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can count up to a hundred. He knows his ABCs. Oh, and, I, and, and I spend time with him at home, even doing little trace worksheets with him. And okay. I have an app on the iPad that he'll sometimes go to where he can do words. It's kind of like, um, I think... Um, sight words yep sight words yep mm-hmm. does he like reading does he like you to read books to him and yeah. stuff? yes loves loves having me and my mom read books to him that's really that's, good that's, that's a good way to he even knows the book he knows yes. it good stuff but that's also a good way to connect him to na- nature and outside too mm-hmm. because you know you can get books about you know, things that are outside birds and animals right. and trees and different things to, right. um, mm-hmm. to keep him interested in the world around him. Yeah. Good really stuff. Good. Yeah. Cause I wanted to ask that. I failed to, I was like, Oh, because I know he's high functioning. Right. So we say high functioning. We know that he's level one with some set level two tendencies. How about mm-hmm. that? For those who are in the journal of medicine, what are your, what are some of your goals? Naima. One of my goals, um, just by this whole experience is I really would like to start like a sensory based play. Um, something for kids that are seeking that sensory that need to, they need an outlet, um, that they don't get, um, because either the place is too loud for them or it's too bright. The lights are too bright for them. Just giving them an area that they can be creative in their own way. Sounds, smells, mm-hmm. sounds, smells, textures. Yep. Uh, okay. Oh, and that's another thing that he, he's Noise. been doing more too is the chewing, chewing on things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Appropriate things or random stuff? Um, kind of random things, especially in the school. Um, that's why I'm wondering too, because I know I've seen a, some anxiety in him if it's the school is too overwhelming or what they expect of him is too overwhelming because there'll be things in the school that he'll chew on that I get, I get that feedback from the therapist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have, have you talked to him about it at all? I have, and he doesn't really give me a lot of feedback as far as why he was chewing on it, but. Some, I, I'm going to suggest this. Sometimes language is not the first way to go for our kids. And so when you ask him, why is he doing it? If he can't communicate it. It might be easier for him to communicate it that way. That it is way. definitely, okay. yeah, to write it down. Or mm-hmm. even draw it out. 
Absolutely. Or it. Yes. Absolutely. Exactly. Because you have to find another way because language is not their first way of communicating. Although he has a lot of language, but it's still, do you sometimes find it hard to express how you feel, right? Sometimes we do. Mm-hmm. So imagine someone on the spectrum, it's like the, the who, what, where, why, and how questions are difficult for them. Right. But also our emotions, where our emotions live in our brain is separate and apart from where our language lives in our brain. So, you know, we it's easy to say, oh, well, how did you feel? Or what did you, you know, what did you feel about that? And a lot of times, like when people experience trauma, they might not be able to express it. I don't know. I, I can't say it because it's in a completely different part of the brain. And they might need to draw it out or act it out or, you know, play it out, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. do use some yeah. other manner of expression so that they can process through that because there is no language for it. Right. You understand? So, mm-hmm. yeah, the brain is, is a very interesting um, organ that we have here. It sure is. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? No. No? You good, Naima? I'm good. All right. How about you, Becky? Any other questions you have? I want to ask Naima, have you ever asked why, why you? Say that again. Have you ever asked why you? Um, I have. And then I'm always reminded that God never puts nothing on us that I can handle it. More than we can handle. Mm hmm. Well, I want to say, and I say it to all parents that we interview, I like to say, I've said it to most, that God chose you. He looked down here on this earth and he chose you. Why? Because he knew that you would be a good advocate. Mm -hmm. Not only for your son, but for others. And that comes with the fact that you're looking to do something to help our kids who are on the spectrum with the sensory disorders that Mm -hmm. they experience. So that's it. It's evident you got more to do, girl. We got more to do. We got more to do. That's what's up. Absolutely. I look forward to more work. Absolutely. And we, we look forward to working with you as well. We do. We do. Absolutely. Keep your head up. And be guided by, be guided by God, because he's, he's definitely directing your path. Mm-hmm. And, and I heard you say earlier that you're interested in a, like a support group. And that's something that we're looking at starting. So okay, it's on the way. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Look, I'll be your first person there too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank that's you right. so much. Yeah, because we wanted to be uplifting and guiding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So thank you for your time and your story, Naima. It is so important for everybody to understand that they're not the only one, you know? All right. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So this was another edition of Autism in Color with LaBecca and Siobhan. And we want to thank you for participating and listening. Hi, this is your girl Siobhan from Autism in Color. 
calling all businesses, independent artists, and nonprofits. If you have a product, service, or music that the world absolutely needs to know about, contact Autism in Color. You can reach us at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Again, that's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. And you can call us at 704-835-3605. Again, that's 704-835-3605. Call us at Autism in Color because we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. And with our worldwide audience, we can put your business in the streets. Hello family, this is your girl Siobhan from Autism in Color, and LaBecky and I wanted to remind you to like Autism in Color, subscribe to Autism in Color, and most importantly, to share Autism in Color, because we at Autism in Color give families the opportunity to share their unique experiences, their challenges, and their triumphs. We at Autism in Color are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation, so don't forget like, subscribe, and share.